Good morning, Father. Thank you so much for our new day, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your love for us, God. The scripture that came to my mind, Father God, is how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news, Father God. And right now, Father God, we thank you. That's the that's exactly what's going to happen in this place, Father. We're going to receive the good news of your Son, Jesus, the Messiah, the King of kings and Lord of lords, Father God. So we pray, Lord Jesus, that this morning we will worship you in the spirit and in truth, that we will rejoice and be glad that this is the day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice, Father. So we thank you so much for this day. You are working on this way, Holy Spirit. Speak to us this morning, God, and I pray that you will continue to strengthen us and guide us and, and lead us to the place that you want us to go and share the gospel. So we worship you, God, in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
salvation We're turning over every stone Hoping to find salvation In a world that's left us cold Can we get back to the altar? Back to the arms of our first love There's only one way to the Father And He's calling out to us To the captive it looks like freedom To the orphan it feels like home
Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love. We thank you for your new mercies each morning. Father, this is the day that you have made, and I pray, God, that we would rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you, Father, that we can gather this morning, Lord. Father, to hear from you as we open up the living word. I pray, God, that we would not take for granted the opportunity that's been given to us to hear your word. Father, we know that your word says that you transform us by renewing our minds, by changing the way we think. God, to turn from evil and to do right. Not in and of our own selves, but as we yield our lives to your leading, to your power, we thank you for the Holy Spirit and you've given us to be our teacher, to be our comforter, to be our guide. Your word declares that we are to walk habitually in the Spirit so that we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Oh God, and we have a desire, God, to, to walk habitually, <laughs> yielded to your Holy Spirit. God, that we will not live lives that grieve them. God, that we will live lives that honor you. So we say, yes, Lord. Have your way among us to this day. Bring conviction that will lead to repentance. Strengthen us that we may stand in these evil days. That we may live upright in a crooked world. That ultimately, God, our lives would be spent for you. Preaching the gospel. Seeing the captives set free. Seeing your kingdom advance and your glory displayed throughout this earth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning to everyone. Psalm 34, verse 14. Turn from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. It's our scripture this year. Hopefully we are... Allowing the Holy Spirit to really bring it to light to our lives in each of us as we go through our days. I've been talking with a lot of different people this week, encouraging them to think before they act, before they speak, to think upon what they're thinking upon. If your actions, if your words, if your thoughts aren't honoring God, then get before Christ and allow the Holy Spirit to to bring correction to your life. That you won't keep going the ways of the world. You won't keep going the ways of the flesh. But that you would have a desire. Not one that you've created for yourself. But as you yield to the Spirit of God. That you feel the conviction and the draw into righteousness. To live right. To do right. To honor God. And all that you say and do. Because what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with what? Your heart, your heart, and your soul, and your strength. Yes. 
Love the Lord your God with your whole being. <laughs> it's vital to the Christian life. The Bible says apart from him you can do nothing. You can name him all you want. You can claim him all you want. But if it's not really who you are, then really what you have is a false sense of freedom. But Christ comes to set the captives free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. You are a new creation, growing and maturing in your faith and in your walk. We heard scripture last week that talked about that, that spiritual birth, how you are like a babe, a spiritual baby who needs that nourishment, and we were reminded to cry out for it. Have you cried out for it this week? If not, well, you've got today and you got this week ahead of you. Cry out for it. Long for Him. Don't settle for the temporalness of this life. Don't settle. No, God has so much more. That's why I love that first song where He bids us to come to the table. Come to Jesus, you all. Come to Jesus. Just as you are. And be free. Leave shame and guilt at the door. But come and invite others to come. They should see the impact that Jesus is having in your life. Invite them to come to Jesus. There's something beautiful about the church, you all. The bride of Christ. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We'll, get, we'll pick back up in our regular series starting next Sunday. But after celebrating his death, his resurrection, his ascension, knowing that he is victorious, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, when have you been reflecting on that? I couldn't get away from the church and, and reflecting on the church this week and praying for the church this week. There's something beautiful about fellowship, Christian community. Like, remember, Jesus tells them to stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. And I encourage you, if you haven't read the book of Acts, go read the book of Acts. The church was birthed. Men and women since then have gone throughout the earth preaching the gospel. Seeing lives set free. God's message going forth. Remember what we've been learning from the beginning, even before the earth was formed, God's plan was to have a people that he will call his own, and in return they will call him their God. And you see that all through Scripture, that people are serious about the relationship with God. They want to honor him. They want to live for him. They let the old things pass away. They let him bring about his transformation in their life. To God be the glory. So we're going to look today at Christian fellowship. I want you to go to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verse 34. 
And verse 35 is what we're going to read. But before we do, if Carrie and Norma and I were talking earlier, and I said, as I've been reflecting on the church and praying for the church this week, I've been really thinking about the persecuted church. You know, we gather and we all show up, some here, some not, some on time, some not. You know, people come, people go, you know. And yet, do we really get the fullness of what we are able to do and the freedom in doing it? Because there's other brothers and sisters in this world that when they gather, they have to be secret about it. They have to hide. They know that they are caught, they could die. The pressure it must be to gather together for worship and Bible study. And some of them don't even have a Bible. They just have pages that have been smuggled in. They don't have the fullness of the Bible. And here in our country, in our fellowships, we have the Bible and we barely open them. And how sad. They would give everything to have the opportunities that we have. And yet they show up. Some of them walk for miles. I just had a young lady, she just came back from Cuba, and she was saying that the churches there, there's such a hunger to hear the gospel, the churches and the government make sure the churches stay small, but people are packing outside in the heat. You should probably walk for miles. And it's funny to watch them press as close as they can to the walls to hear. So, wow. The church, you all, the bride of Christ, Christians, people of God, who carry the good news, who are to be the light of the world. I want to encourage us, let's not take for granted what we have. Let's not take for granted what we have. And so as I've been even thinking of that statement, and, and the church at large, I've been starting to really feel convicted about our little fellowship. <coughs> and we have something so precious. And for so long, the enemy has tried to rip it up and to tear it up and keep it divided and keep just keep battering it. But God keeps bringing us through. We have something so precious that we ought to honor what God has given us. Honor God in our fellowship. Amen. Don't curse it. Don't beat it down. Stop talking about each other. Stop talking bad. Stop listening to what everyone else wants to say. <laughs> and stop honoring what we have. Because it is actually something very beautiful in this generation. A fellowship of believers from all types of backgrounds all ages and yet God has brought us together to say do life with each other yeah. and in so doing life share it with others like share it with others the majority of the things and the statements that people use that keep them out of church can't say it about us I don't beg y'all for money We're not about creating and building and building and building and building and building 
and we lose sight of people. And if you think about what people have been harmed and, and, and what they say and what they do, like the majority of the stuff that has kept people out, they won't find it here. Are we perfect? No. But what we have is something special. It's a small, intimate fellowship. Yes, do we want it to grow? We ought to. We ought to want to see God adding to our numbers to those who are being saved. And that you all are giving the opportunity to go out and in the sphere of your influence of life at work, at school, throughout your communities, share the gospel with people, encourage them to get planted in a local church, and if they don't have one, you should be bringing them with you. We have had all types of lifestyles walk in and out the store. And the majority, if not all of them, have classified and said one thing. Wow, we felt such love. Let that be continually what marks us. Rather they stay among us or not, they can't deny that they were loved. That they were embraced. And so when we think about the church, when we think about Christian fellowship, I'm talking you know, the whole church, but I really just want to really focus in on us today. Because I believe God has brought us through all that he's brought us through, and he's positioning us now to get ready for the harvest. Because you can't keep praying for the harvest and not see it come. But I think when you start praying for the harvest, there's always resistance. Like, are you serious? about what you're praying. And I'm hoping and encouraging you all to pray along with me for the harvest. That we will be effective laborers while we're out there because the world is hurting. People are empty. They have exhausted everything trying to find a sense of hope and a sense of being. And everyone that is sitting in this room this morning, at least from what I understand of you, you have found Christ because Christ God was pleased to reveal himself to you through his son, Jesus. And if you haven't made a commitment to him, then I'm not sure what you're waiting for. Today, you ought to. You ought to receive him as the son of God, as the savior. The one who died for you, the one who rose from the dead, defeated sin and death. The one who was at the right hand of the father interceding, praying for you. There's work to do. There's a standard among us, and it's not man's standard. No, it's God's standards. We're all called to live unto Christ. Turn from evil and do good. No matter where we've come from or what we've done, what we're instructed to do is to live as unto Christ. No longer a slave to sin, but a slave to righteousness. And that's how we come along each other, encouraging each other, edifying each other, and building each other up. That's what should be coming out of your mouth. Yeah. Loving each other, supporting each other. Not backbiting, not gossiping, not you know everything else that we allow ourselves to get entangled with. No, we ought to honor and protect what God has given us. Honor and protect it. If you call this your home church, if you call this your family, then respect that. And we all come from broken families. <laughs> But yet God has brought us together. 
And people know how broken we were <laughs> and how crazy our families were. But if they can see that these broken people are getting along, loving each other, serving each other, expecting God to, to, to be among us when we come together. It's like what we talked about last week. How did you come in this morning? Did you come in expecting God to be among us? Like God move among us? Because we ought to. We ought to come expecting. Because what a special place we have. Amen. What a special place. What a special place to really treasure it. Coming together. Honoring God. Expecting. And look at what these verses say here. These are Jesus' words. John 13, verse 34 through 35. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you shall love each other. And listen to verse 35. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for one another, not your love for the world, but your love for one another will prove that we belong to him. I want you to hear that this morning. I don't want you to lose sight of that. Because as we're talking about Christian fellowship, as we're talking about community, as we're talking about our church, and the church again at large, but we're focusing just on us today, How are they going to know we belong to him? By the way we love each other. By the way we serve each other. So when you show up here, you're just not showing up for yourself. No, you ought to be encouraged to see everyone. You ought to be an expression of love to them, and they ought to be an expression of love to you. Even if you had a rough week. Even if you come in burdened and kind of cast down, you still show up. And so that if there is a new person among us, they see what others have said they've seen here, the love. They sense there's a, 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 an openness, there's a community, there's, there's a, a fellowship of believers here. And they should say, he must be among them. They belong to him. It's not about the preaching. It's not about the music. It's not about anything. It's your love. Because there's a lot of people who know scripture. There's a lot of people who can get up and preach. There's a lot of people who can just serve. It's not even about our service. It's about your love. That's how others will know that you belong to him, your love for one another. Because did you get the key to it? I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. And how did Jesus love? He laid his life down. No greater love than this, that a man will lay down his life for his friends. So when we go to, to, to love each other, that's our first thought. 
How did Jesus love me? He humbled himself. He came to serve. And we've talked about this before. Could you imagine if we all showed up today with the intent to serve one another? Could you imagine when you all go out into public and you're among each other and others see not the bickering, not the fighting, not the cursing, not the, all the craziness that marks an unbeliever going on in your life. But the joy, the love and the peace that you have for one another. Like people catch on to that. Like something's different about you. Listen, we already know that right living, the world is not going to accept. Righteous living under Christ, honoring God with your life, is not going to be accepted in this world. In fact, it's getting harder and harder and harder for Christians in our culture. When it should be the easiest because we still have the freedom. But each day, moment by moment, the rights of Christians are dwindling away. And we need to be ready you all, like our brothers and sisters in the other parts of the earth. They're already experiencing it. They're already going through it. We can't change the way the world is going. All we can be concerned with is what Christ wants to do in our heart to transform us. Because it's in that transformation that we will impact others. Who will then impact others who will then impact others. And that's how the kingdom of God grows, you all. We'll be marked as ones who belong to Him by our love for one another. Think about that. These are Jesus' words. The beauty that we have in gathering together to be built up, to be encouraged, to love, and then to go out and then to freely give it away. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. Unity in the body. Again, we're talking about the church. We're talking about our fellowship. Honoring it. Because we honor God. And as I said earlier, and I don't want you to think about, I don't mean when I said earlier that I don't stand up here and beg you for money. There's nothing wrong with taking an offering and tithing. Because you ought to be offered, you ought to give me, be given to the opportunities you have to give here. You ought to be setting some portion aside to give to the kingdom. You're not pressured to give, but you ought to be giving out of a cheerful heart. You know, churches who have property, who have buildings, they have expenses that need to be paid for. They do have salaries. Now, granted, there are some who take advantage of that, and the pastor is living better than the people sitting in the pews. 
And so I don't want you to think that that's, that's bad to do. That's not. So when I said that, it's not what I was meaning. But what I was sharing with you is that the things that people say that keep them from church, the majority of those things they won't find here. The majority of people who end up not connecting here is because they're not ready <laughs> to give their lives to Christ. They're uncomfortable with the fact that freedom and the gospel is preached. They want to stay. So they'll point out all these different things that they could see wrong with among us. But the main things that keep people from church, they, can't, they won't find here. See, the doors are open to the home 24-7 for people to come find encouragement, find love. Because all we have to offer is Jesus. And like I've said earlier, we've gone through seasons where the enemy has done his best to try to strip us down. We've gone through where the majority of people sitting in the room have talked and, and have, have used their own mouth and their own hands to try to strip this place down. And yet God has protected us. Like that scripture said last week, by his power. <clears throat> but I truly believe that God is positioning us, a little small church is positioning us to get ready to receive those that he would bring in that are going to be saved. And that's why it's vital. That's why I've got such an urgency in my very heart, in my spirit to, to encourage you all to mature, to grow in your faith, to be a Christian, not just one who just says they are, no, but to live it, to live it. And there's something important about unity among the brethren, among the church. We are the bride of Christ. We are to honor him, we're to love him. And hear what the word of God says about unity. Chapter four, verse one through 16. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make an allowance for each other's faults because of your, look at this word, love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, Binding yourselves together with peace. Did you see that? Turn from evil, do good. Search for peace, work hard to maintain it. I peace you all. Peace. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope, for the future, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended into the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world 
And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might feel, look at this, the entire universe with himself. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church and the body of Christ. This will continue until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about every wind by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth again in love, growing even, I'm sorry, every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. If you're sitting here today and you're truly a Christian, The gifts that you've been given, you are to be utilizing. Because as we all are serving and loving each other, as we're all utilizing the gifts in which we have been given, it brings us together. It matures us. It grows us. And look at what it says there. That we would be a healthy body, growing and full of love. We all come from such brokenness. But God can take all of that and turn it around for his good. And so that we're no longer, longer just immature people just seeking the temporalness of this life to fulfill us. No, because we as the church know that we are in Christ. And if you're sitting here today and you're not a believer, then you really need to allow the Holy Spirit to, to bring forth the conviction. You need to respond to the conviction through repentance. Turn to God, you all. Turn to God. And then allow Him to mature you. We're all at different levels of our walk. If you're a Christian sitting in here. So that's why we don't, you know, look at each other and we look down on each other. No, we come alongside and we encourage each other. No, to keep pursuing Christ. To keep pursuing Christ, to keep growing, to keep maturing. The standard of righteousness is set for all of us. Not because man has said it, no, because God has said it. Because God has done all he's going to do to give us everything we need to live the life that he's called us to. Again, not in our own strength, not doing the religious walk, not trying to keep the law and trying to make it about ourselves. No, it's all about him. When you see that you're failing, when you see that you can't, he can. So turn to him. Seek him. Be transparent before him and transparent before each other. And know your giftings. If you don't know your giftings, then set some time down with me to, to walk through and learn how you've been gifted. And then how can you serve here? Because there's so many opportunities to serve here. 
Don't leave it for the ones that you see doing it. No, if you know your giftings and you're ready to contribute by allowing your gifts to be used, then you should be sitting down with me so that you are, are serving among your church family. Your church family. Because it takes all of us. Not just one or two or three or four or just a little handful. It takes all of us to be committed to say, no, this is our home. This is our church. This is our Christian family. This is who we're doing life with. And God, I want to treasure that. I want to be a part. Because it's so vital that we have this opportunity to allow Christ to be manifested in and through us so that the unbelieving world could get a glimpse of who he is and turn and ask you, there must be something different about you. Listen, not everyone's coming to Jesus, you all. Not everyone is coming to Jesus. But you want to be able to be an ambassador of the kingdom of God while you're out there. For those who will be coming to Jesus to connect with. The Bible is very clear. There's going to be those that when you come along their path, if you're a Christian, that you're going to be a stench of death. But then there's going to be those that you're going to be a fragrance of life. And you have the opportunity, you all, to share with them the gospel, the good news. And it's not about, again, your life being perfect before you can share. No, you just share what God is doing in you. At right where you're at. Like I just said a little bit ago, each of us are at different levels in our walk. But we're all maturing. You don't want to give up and just stop there. You don't want to stay you know, stunted and, 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 and not formed completely. No, you want to keep growing. You want to keep maturing. There's so much more. It's like that song. Like, immerse us. You know? Draw us in, God. We want to go deeper because we see the urgency of the hour. We recognize the generation in which we're living. It's getting crazier and crazier. But as a church, we don't react, you know, nervously about it. We, we don't withdraw and say, oh, there's no hope. No, there's hope. The kingdom of God, Jesus is returning. So there's work to be done for us to go out and just share the good news. To be the light. To offer hope. And that's why it's vital that when we can gather together, that we all are treasuring this time. That we come expecting. And it's like I said earlier, did you come expecting this morning for God to be among us? To receive what God would have for us today? To encourage us to go throughout this week? For those who can gather on Wednesdays with us? To come in and have a deeper study to talk about it? How am I applying this to my life? For Fridays when we have like topical you know, teachings you know, we just started a really good one on defending your faith. And if you missed last Friday's and you want to start coming on Fridays, well, then get with me and you can catch up. There's only two, two lessons that, we, that happen on Friday night that you ought to be a part of. Because this is a kind of a 30-lesson study. 
on defending your faith. Listen, we got to grow, we got to mature. Go to John chapter 17. Verse 1 through 26. This is Jesus' prayer, you all. This is one that I go back to over and over and over and over. Yes. This is Jesus praying, you all. And if you're sitting here today and you're, you're a Christian, like this is your Father's words. This is how He prayed. This is Him praying over us. I want you to hear these words. And I would encourage you sometime this week, just sit and open up to John chapter 17 and just read this over and over. Hear the words coming from your mouth. Hear the heart of your Father. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so He can give glory back to you. For you have given Him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one who you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one whom you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed to you to the one I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were already yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you and they believe you sent me. My prayer is, listen to this, is not for the world, but for those who you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from this world. They are staying in this world, but I'm coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now... Protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction as scriptures foretold. Now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with joy I have given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world I'm not asking you to take them out of the world but to keep them safe from the evil one they do not belong to this world as any more than I do make them holy look at this by your truth teach them your word which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. 
and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but this is where you all come in scripture, (laughs) but also for all who ever believed in me through their message. I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you have loved me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. They can see all the glory you have gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. Hear these words of our Savior, and we still want to play games. Let me think about your week. Think about your morning. What did you put your hands to? What did you look upon? What did you speak? What thoughts are consuming you? Because if you belong to Him, don't be condemned, be convicted. And then turn from evil and do good. Because now as a believer, you've been born again. You're of a whole new nature. And you're growing in it and you're learning it. Just as when you were born in the natural, that nature you were born, all of us were born into a sin. All we know is rebellion towards God. All we know is to look out for numeral uno. Do me, do me, it's all about me, and I'm, I'm in a total chaotic, rebellious state. No matter if I kept all the good works, no matter if I'm a good moral person, apart from Christ, I'm a sinner. I'm rebellious, and I'm making life about me. And just as you grew in that nature, it took time for you to get as just as really unruly as you've become. And so it is in the new nature. You've been born again of a new spirit. Now you've been given the right to call him Abba. You've been engrafted into the kingdom of God. Your position is in Christ. You are to be holy as he is holy. You're you're to keep moving and progressing forward. Your life is to bring him glory. Like you are to be a witness to the dying world that there's hope. There's hope. And again, not everybody is going to accept Christ. And even Jesus knew it. So he says, I'm not praying for the world. I'm not praying for the lost. No, no, I'm praying for the ones whom you've given me. I'm praying 
that they would be protected by my name. I'm praying that they would understand the fullness of unity, just as you and I are one, that they will be one, and that they will live a life expressing my love, expressing the gospel to others. Your life will impact others, you all. If you're living truly righteous among them, or if you're living a flip-flop Christian life, it'll impact them that way too. Jesus would not mean anything to them because he doesn't mean anything to you. They won't know the ways of righteousness because they don't see it in you. They won't understand that we are to honor God because you're not honoring him. And maybe you're not flip-flopping. Maybe you're just still living. You haven't accepted Christ. Maybe you're just still living in your sinful ways. Well, you're going to go along right with everyone else, and they're going to go right along with you. But the crazy thing is, is that each of us sitting here have been here multiple times. We've heard the word. And so now the Bible says, it's best that you've never heard than to hear and done nothing with it. See, you're here not for your own reason. You're here because God is pleased to reveal himself to you through his son Jesus. And we have an opportunity to hear the word of God to allow the Holy Spirit to, to, to work it within us because he is our teacher. And he draws us unto righteousness. So we're no longer a slave to sin, but now we're a slave to right living. That when we do wrong, it's uncomfortable for us. We feel it like, oh, I shouldn't do this. Oh, this doesn't feel right any longer. It used to. That's how you know God is real. <laughs> That's how you, you, you can't dismiss it. We can try to have all our reasons and excuses. But when you feel that doing wrong is wrong, that's the Holy Spirit, you all. And it just confirms everything he has said in his word. So don't turn from him. No, turn to him. Because the reason why he's bringing conviction is to draw you in, to mature you, and to grow you. That's why I tell you, when you fall down, get back up. Don't stay down. Don't go back to the old way of living. Don't reject God. Because now you, you oh, I'm unworthy. You were never worthy. Mm. Only Christ is. But you can't go, you, there's no point that's beyond his reach. So get up. Repent and turn and keep going. That's why the Bible says to confess your sins to each other. To God. Don't let sin be your master. He's your master. And so there's this beautiful picture that Jesus is praying to encourage us to remain unified. There's work to do, you all. There's a harvest that's plentiful out there. So you need to get out there and you need to start planting the seeds of righteousness, sharing the gospel, 
holding Christians accountable. Don't hold the world, the lost, accountable to Scripture. They don't know Scripture. So just share Jesus with them. But those who may be in your life calling themselves a Christian and they're living unruly and ungodly, no, you need to judge them by holding them accountable. Not by talking behind their back. (laughs) But going to them. Holding them accountable. And if they don't want to be held accountable, and if they don't want to be brought in to have another person uh, among them to encourage them, if they don't want to come and they don't want to sit down and, and counsel with me with you, if they're refusing to, then we need to break fellowship with them. Because to continue to allow someone to believe that they are a part of of the body of Christ when they're not, we need to care more about their eternal stake than their feelings. We need to set them apart in hopes that they will be saved. Paul tells the church in Corinthians to do the same thing. This man was sitting among them, and no one was dealing with it. He said, turn him over to Satan in hopes that his soul will be saved. There's a way in which we are to live among each other. And we've got to take it seriously. Because the world takes what they're doing seriously. (laughs) And we need to be as innocent as a dove and as wise as a serpent as we're going about our day. Planting seeds of righteousness. Sowing into the lives of others. Sharing the good news and the gospel. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. The church, you all, ought to be excited. (laughs) Chapter 5, verse 1 through 11, 1 Thessalonians. Five, verse 1 through 11. Now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write you. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. I love, I don't know if y'all really have, have sat down and read these letters in the New Testament. These letters that were written to these churches. But I would encourage you all to start reading them. <laughs> because just as they were meant for them, they're meant for us. Just as they're encouraged to continue to grow and to mature, so we're encouraged to grow and mature. Just as they're encouraged not to turn back to their old ways, we're encouraged not to go back to our old ways. No, we're encouraged to keep the peace and to live lives that are honoring God. And look what he says here. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin. And there will be no escape. Listen, as the church, if you're sitting here today and you are a Christian, 
The hope that we have as a church in this darkened world is the return of our Savior. Like he's coming back, you all. I believe that with everything that's within me. I used to make fun of it before I was a Christian. I thought those people are nuts. But now I believe it with every part of my being. Like he is returning. Like he is going to part that sky. And he's going to gather those who belong to him. And for eternity, we will be with him. Oh, that ought to get you excited. And then it also should prompt you that there's work to do. Because those that don't know Jesus, God help them. So why would you want to keep the truth that has healed you, the hope that has restored you from others? Why would you want to keep it all to yourself and look bad at them and talk bad about them and point out all their issues when you have the hope of Jesus? Well, they irritate me. They do this. You don't know this. They're lost. What do you expect? Stop trying to put your convictions on them because that's what you're doing. You're having issues struggling with your own sin in your life, so it's easy to point at everyone else's. No, stop that. There's work to do. Like he's returning. And he goes on here, but you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters. And you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of light and of the day. Look at this. We don't belong to darkness and night. So be on guard. Not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-hearted or clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you're already doing. You always hear me say, the church... What are we to be doing? Encouraging, edifying, building each other up. Because there's work to do, you all. It's the purpose of the church. Since we're all collectively using our giftings so that we can be a healthy body embracing the broken that come in and seeing them hold and healed in Christ. Because we know the day is coming. We know that while it's still light, we ought to be working. While we still have breath in our bodies and we're still upon this earth, we ought to be serving Christ and others. This is what we do. 
no matter with how much we have or how lack we're in. We don't make excuses and we just serve. We give and we give freely. We give freely. There's work to do. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Nineteen through twenty-five, Hebrews ten, nineteen through twenty-five. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways, look at this, to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing nearer. Wow. As it was for them, so it is for us. Hold tightly, without wavering, to the hope that we have for God. Because God can be trusted to keep his promise. And let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. hear this? How we as the church ought to be living among each other? How we're called? Like if you look around this room, how do you look at each other? You ever thought about that? Like there's no, there should be no room for fighting for position, not in this fellowship. We all should be contributing. Oh, she does this, he does that, da, da, da. No, you should be doing. Like you should be putting your hands to work, utilizing your gifts, freely expressing yourself. Are you holding ill will toward anyone in this room? Because you ought to get right with God and then get right with that person. It's not how we ought to be living. That's not how we ought to be living. Listen to what it says here. This is how we ought to be living. And what motivates us and what keeps us going each and every single day, knowing that he's returning, that it's still light. And we have an opportunity 
to love and to be an expression of his love to others. That's what should be motivating you every day. Not tearing people down. Not trying to find a place just to belong somewhere apart from Christ. No, but that you're in Christ. And that you're honoring him. And that you're not seeking to belong to another crowd or to another place or to another this or to that just to feel, you know... <coughs> yourself with some sense of worth that you're trying to find in the world. This world will never give you your value. Your value will only come from Christ. Your creator. So there is a way in which you ought to be living. Go to Acts chapter 2. Acts 2 verse 42. Through 47. There's something important, and I keep stressing it today, there's something important about community. And the church has been heavy on my heart. Our fellowship has been heavy on my heart. Because I truly believe that God is doing something new among us. That we have walked through seasons of adversity. But we're all still here. (laughs) There's been many times a lot of us have, have given up, but we're all still here. We've seen people come in and out, but we're all still here. God is doing something. He's getting us through it. No matter where we've been, like He's getting us through it. There's hope. When I sit and I talk to some of you, there's hope. I'm hearing a, a renewal taking place in your heart. That's how I know God is still among us. <laughs> like his presence hasn't left us. <laughs> like he's among us. And so as a community of believers, as a small fellowship, we ought to honor it. And that's why a prayer came to my heart about a week or so ago about praying for us. That God will begin to add to our numbers to those who are being saved. We just don't want numbers just to have people. But for those who are being saved. And it comes from this portion of scripture. Acts chapter 2 verse 42 through 47. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teachings. And to fellowship. And to sharing in meals including the Lord's supper and prayer. Look at this. They devoted themselves to the apostles teachings. And to fellowship. Fellowship is vital. You can't be a, a, the Lone Ranger and not have fellowship with other Christians. God did not design the Christian life that way. I know some people claim that that's what, oh, I just need my time with God and, you know, God's got me. And, but God doesn't have you if you're by yourself. You weren't created to do the Christian life by yourself. You need to be in fellowship with the local church, with the local body of believers. No matter how they meet or where they meet, as long as the gospel is being preached, as long as truth is being the the standard, then you ought to belong to that fellowship. They devoted themselves to the teachings, to fellowship. And then look at this, sharing in meals. When God called us to do church this way, that's why we have a meal afterwards. 
And if y'all ever wondered, why do we have, why do we have lunch? It could be easy just to say, okay, God bless and send y'all on your way. But there's something beautiful about sharing a meal. And I stress that a lot with people. I come and stay and eat with us. And then I even stress that people can't even come for the service to come and eat. Because there's something about breaking bread together. And listen, when we're breaking bread together, that ought to be a time of reflection. Because look around, a bunch of broken people who God is working through sitting down and having a meal together as a family. Talking and getting to know each other. Interacting. That's how it should be. So that if others join us, they see something different. And look at this. They devoted themselves to this and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all of the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Listen, we don't have time to keep grumbling and complaining. We don't. We ought to be willing to do whatever is needed for the kingdom, you all. For the kingdom. Like that's how we're to be living. Not grumbling, complaining, but serving with gladness and joy. Serving with gladness and joy. Yes. We all are tired at times. We have all have been going through physical issues. Yes, life has beaten us down left and right. But we ought to still serve with joy. If your heart isn't in it, don't do it. Because if your heart isn't in it and you just keep doing it, it just becomes a form and a work. And it means nothing. But your heart should be in it. Your heart should be in it. The last scripture today is back in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3, verse 14 through 21. Paul's prayer for spiritual growth. I pray that you would pray it for yourself. And I pray that you would pray it for us. Paul says, when I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. 
and you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of light and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This prayer for spiritual growth, that our roots, you all, will grow down deep, that we truly would get the fullness and understanding, though yet it's so vast, but that we would grasp his love for us. I want you all to think about that as we're coming to a close. Like God's love for you. Like he loved you so much that he sent his one and only son who laid his life down, who took on your punishment. That those who would believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. Like I pray for us that, that our eyes would no longer be fixed on the temporalness of life, that our eyes would be open to the fullness of our Savior and His great love. Like no greater love than this, that a man will lay down his life for his friends. There's nothing in this world that will love you that way. There's nothing in this world that would give you the satisfaction that you find in Christ. There's not a man, there's not a woman, there's not anything else. No other vice, no nothing that would ever love you as Christ loves you. He secures you. you sense a, there's a sense of wholeness in him. So you're not living as broken people any longer. In the areas of our lives that are still broken, he stills calling you out from those places. Like he longs for you not to be enslaved to shame and guilt. But you would have peace. So who or what are you searching for each and day, each and every single day? Where are you trying to find your wholeness in? Because if it's not in Christ, you're going the wrong way. Whether you call yourself a Christian or not, you're going the wrong way. And I would encourage you to turn and come back to Christ. Turn and come to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. He has begun a good work in you, and He is faithful to finish it, to complete it. Now, in closing, I just want to talk about True Freedom Fellowship for a moment. If you didn't know that, that's the name of this church. True Freedom Fellowship. True meaning, meaning genuine. Not a facade, not fake, but True. And freedom. Not a put on, not like, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, look what Jesus is doing and it's not real for you. No, that you are, you're experiencing freedom. And then the fellowship. It's genuine. It's true. It's real. We're just not putting it on to put on. No, we know how vital it is. That as people are coming to Christ, 
as their lives are being transformed, that they're able to connect and be held accountable and to be loved and to feel secure. So what is our vision? We're called to encourage, to edify, and to equip the body of Christ in order, in order to radically save souls to advance his kingdom. And I would encourage you, when Carrie gives the notes this week, she'll email them, she'll post them on Facebook. These notes will be in there. Like I would encourage you to go and look at the vision. Because if you're saying, this is my fellowship, this is my church, this is my family, then what is our vision? Because you're part of it. Just don't leave it up to me. Don't leave it up to Yvette. Don't leave it up to you know Norma. Don't leave it up to Doreen. <laughs> don't leave it up to others. No, if you're here, you need to be a part of it no matter what your age is. So what is the vision? To encourage, to edify, and to <coughs> equip each of us, the body of Christ, in order to radically save souls to advance his kingdom. You should be out there sharing Jesus with others. And maybe other Christians don't come to this church, and that's fine. If they're planted in another local church, you should be encouraging them and edifying them and building them up because collectively we're the church. And our mission is, is to see his kingdom advance, that people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. And then, so who are we? So here's our scripture, John 8, 36. He who the Son has set free is free indeed. The True Freedom Fellowship is a group of people who have chosen to die to themselves, to pick up their cross and to follow Christ daily. We are a full-functioning church within the body of Christ. We don't meet in a traditional building, but in a home. A living room is our sanctuary. Our couches and chairs are our pews. The dining room is our fellowship hall, and our pastor can be found in an armchair instead of a pulpit. But our hearts are the same as millions of believers all over the world. A desire to serve at the pleasure of our King, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. So though our building may look different, <laughs> our structure may look different, our hearts are the same. Our mission field, family, neighbors, co-workers, and communities, to the ends of the earth, a group of people who have overcome the bondage of their past, through the redemptive, freeing, and healing power of Jesus Christ, been forgiven of much and have the desire to see genuine freedom come to the captives of sin and shame, doing life together 24-7, a commitment, a lifestyle, a commitment to God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and a commitment to each other to encourage, to edify, and to build up the body of believers. Come live this new life out loud for the world to hear. This is who we are. This is what we're putting our hands to and saying, God, yes. Yes. Use us here, God, this small group of people, to go. To go throughout our communities, throughout our families, to the ends of the earth, to go and to bear light, to bear witness. So what is our core values? I'm really encouraging you all, go read this. Know what you're saying, who, who you're doing life with. Our core values, the first one is love. The next one is unity. The next one is transparency. The next one is accountability. And the final one is growth. 
And I want you to hear this today. Love, unity, transparency, accountability, and growth. Our core foundation should be based on what we read today. Love. Love for Christ and love for each other. Because without love, you can't have anything else. So love has to be the foundation, collectively and individually. Because when someone feels loved, it brings them together with others. And that's how unity is formed. Like, do you feel safe with me? Yeah. Do you know I love you? And I know you love me. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. That builds unity. Like when she sends me a text asking for prayer, or when she's willing to be vulnerable and share what's going on in her life, like I'm a stranger to her. But I'm not really a stranger. Because of Christ, what he's done in my life and what he's doing in her life, like there's a sense of belonging. There's a sense of love. And so I feel connected. And she feels connected. And so when one is loved and one feels in unity, then their, their transparency comes. And you can just share anything. Because you know you're loved. You all love you, Christian? You can be as transparent as you want, right? And I'll never change the fact that I love you. You know I love you, Norma? Yes. Christine, you know I love you? Yes. Faith, you know I love you? Yeah. Uh, and we can be transparent. Because the love won't change. No matter where we go, what we do, the love's not going to change. We may not agree, but at least you know when I correct you or I bring instruction to you, it's not coming from a place of beating you down. No, it's coming from a place of love. It's love that motivates us. It's love that motivates me to keep doing this. It's love. Because it brings unity. It brings transparency. Then it brings accountability. And then from there, the last value is we grow. We grow. Step by step. No one's expecting any of us to be perfect. But the expectation is we ought to be growing. We ought to be maturing. That's what Christ came to do for us. He has set us free. So these are our values. And so then, even if you're out talking with people and you're sharing with people and they ask you what church you go to, and you say it's a house church, people may have questions. And some of the frequently asked questions is this. Since you all do not meet in a church building, does that mean you are angry at or bitter towards what is considered traditional church? And the answer is no, not at all. Quite the opposite. We love the body of Christ, regardless of where and how they meet. We want to partner with and come alongside all types of fellowships. 
those who meet in traditional church buildings, and those who don't. The church is called to edify, to equip, and to build up the body of Christ so that the kingdom of God can be advanced. And then here's that question about tithing. Well, how do you all approach the topic of tithing? Well, we believe that giving to the work of the Lord is a command from the Lord and very biblical. We are not classified as a nonprofit organization in the eyes of the government, so you will not get a tax credit for a gift. We also do not have a formal collection time. It is left up to you and God as to how you would choose to give. We have missionaries and missions that we support, and you are encouraged and welcome to give to them. We also take up a collection for various needs in the body or in our community as they come about. You are also welcome to give towards the weekly cost of our meetings, food costs, etc. However you give, get out of the obedience of your heart. Remember, you want to be a cheerful giver with a desire to see the kingdom of God advance. That's your desire in giving. And I've shared with you all before, you should be budgeting a portion of what God and you have gotten together on. If you want to start out with 10%, great. But whatever that portion is, you should be putting aside. So that then when the need arises, you've got something to give. We have missionaries that come in and visit us. You, if you're able to support them monthly, that's great. In fact, I might have a new family come hopefully with the next few weeks that I want you all to meet. And hear what God is doing in their life. And if you can't give monthly, at least give one time to them. Like you should be sewing in when there are needs, when you get emails and, and updates that, hey, there's a need among our body, that you should, we should contribute and try to help each other. That's how we give. That's how we do. We read just in the book of Acts, they were selling things so that the needs and their fellowship were met. And that's how we ought to be doing Last question, are you affiliated with any specific denomination? No, we are not associated with any one denomination in particular. We do have a set of Bible-believing truths that we operate under, which is our statement of faith. However, we are not considered a part of any one denomination. We are an evangelical body of believers who believe in the sovereignty of God and that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. It is our desire to extend fellowship to believers from all backgrounds, regardless of denomination, uniting under the truth of the gospel of God's redeeming and disciplining love. This is who we are. And then lastly, this is what we believe, our statement of faith. So I want you to listen closely, because hopefully you're in agreement with it. This is our statement of faith, the word of God. We believe that the Bible is the Word of God, fully inspired and without error, and the original manuscripts written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and that it has supreme authority in all matters of faith and conduct. The Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We believe that there is one living and true God, internally existing in three persons, that these are equal in, in ever-divine perfection, and that they execute distinct but harmonious offices in the work of creation, providence, and redemption. And we believe in God the Father. We believe in God the Father, an infinite, personal, spirit, sovereign, unchangeable, eternal, perfect in holiness, wisdom, power, justice, goodness, love, and truth. 
We believe that he concerns himself mercifully in the affairs of men, that he hears and answers prayers, and that he saves from sin and death all who come to him through Jesus Christ. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in Jesus Christ, God's unique and only Son, who was and is fully God and fully man. We believe in his conception by the Holy Spirit, his virgin birth, sinless life, miracles and teachings. We believe in his substitutionary, um, propitiatory death, bodily resurrection, ascension into heaven, perpetual intercession for his people, and personal visible return to earth. Jesus Christ is the only object of saving faith in the Old and New Testament. We believe in the Holy Spirit who came forth from the Father and the Son to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and to regenerate, sanctify, and empower all who believe in Jesus Christ. We believe that the Holy Spirit is fully God and indwells every believer in Christ. He gives gifts to each believer for fruitful service as he desires. He is an abiding helper, teacher, and guide. We believe in salvation. We believe that all mankind are sinners and are in need of salvation. This salvation is by God's sovereign grace through a personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation is the great spiritual work for which Jesus came to the earth. He died for our sins so that we might have this salvation. This salvation is given by the grace of God and not earned or merited in any way. It is given with the purpose that men should glorify God through an obedient walk with him. Those who do not receive this salvation are condemned to an eternity apart from God, which the Bible calls hell. We believe in the church. We believe in the universal church, a living spiritual body of which Christ is the only head and all regenerated persons are members. We believe in a local church consisting of a company of believers in Jesus Christ, baptized, having made a credible confession of faith and associated for worship, work, and fellowship. We believe that God has given to the members of the local church the primary task to disciple all the nations. And then we have ordinances. We believe that the Lord Jesus Christ has committed two ordinances to the local church. The first one, baptism. The second one, the Lord's Supper. We believe that Christian baptism is the immersion of a believer in water into the name of the triune God. We believe that the Lord's Supper was instituted by Christ for commemoration of his death till he comes. We believe that these two ordinances should be observed and administered until the Lord, until the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that there is Christian conduct. We believe that a Christian should live for the glory of God and the well-being of his fellow men, that his conduct should be blameless before the world, that he should be be a fruitful steward of his possessions, and that he should seek to realize for himself and others the full statue of maturity in Christ. And we believe in religious liberty. We believe that every human being is responsible to God in all matters of faith and conscience, and that each believer is a priest of God. We believe that the church is independent and must be free from interference by any ecclesiastical or political authority, that Christians have the responsibility to seek to positively influence and be involved in the political process for the social benefit of the nation. However, the church and state must be kept separate as institutions 
having different functions, each fulfilling its God-given duties and free from this dictation or patronage of each other. No. Patronage of each other. And then the last two, church cooperation. We believe that the local churches can best promote the cause of Jesus by cooperating with one another. And then the last thing, we believe that Jesus Christ inaugurated the kingdom of God in his first coming to earth. We believe Jesus will return to the earth in his glorified body to finalize his kingdom program. We believe in the resurrection of the body, the final judgment, the eternal joy of the righteous, and the endless suffering of the wicked. This is what we believe. This is who we are. We are a true freedom fellowship, a local church that desires to see God's kingdom advance, you all. So I pray that you would hear this, that you would be encouraged about being part of a church. And if you're sitting here today and you're not saved, you're still welcome to come. Why would you not accept Jesus? It always baffles me. The Bible says the wheat and the tares will be among each other. There'll be those who are sitting, rather it's in this church or other churches, and they're not saved. They show up. (laughs) They hear, they listen, but they're not moved. And that's a heart condition. That's not an issue with God. It's an issue with your heart you would choose to abide in rebellion when you're hearing a message of freedom I would just encourage you as this last song plays just allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you and if you are saved but you are enslaved to sin you need to throw it off as the Bible says the sin that so easily entangles you because that is not your position you are no longer to be a slave to sin. You are a slave to righteousness. And so be encouraged as you leave this place today. I want you to think about your relationship with God. I want you to, to, to know that you are purposed for such a time as this to be part of a local church to see God's kingdom advance. Amen. Amen.
Oh